everyone, Sarah Brown Wessling here from the Council of Chief State School Officers National Teacher of the Year program. I'm excited to introduce Voices from the Classroom, the State Teacher of the Year podcast. I was named National Teacher of the Year in 2010, and since then, I've been committed to sharing the stories and elevating the voices of the State Teachers of the Year. It is my hope that this podcast will give you insight into the incredible work they do. In these episodes, the 2020 State Teachers of the Year are navigating responding to two radical changes in our society, the COVID-19 pandemic and the heightened awareness of institutionalized racism. Through this first series, my first lesson of the year, we hope to capture the true essence of the return to school from an educator's perspective. You can join the conversation on social media by using the hashtag, hashtag ntoy20 or visiting us online at ntoy.org. That's N-T-O-Y dot O-R-G. This is Jasmine Estes, Senior Communication Specialist at the Council of Chief State School Officers. Welcome, Heather, and thank you for joining me for this conversation today. Let's jump right in. Can you please introduce yourself? Yes, thank you so much um, for taking the time to highlight the amazing work that educators are doing across the country to rise um, to the challenge of meeting the needs of our students during such a unique time. My name is Heather Whitaker. I am the 2020 Maine State Teacher of the Year. I'm an alternative education teacher in Gorham, Maine at the Gorham Middle School, and currently I am teaching in the hybrid model. Thank you so much. Okay, so my first question is, would you be able to walk us through um, one of your first lessons this year? And if possible, would you be able to describe like what your students did, how they reacted to it, or what you did, and what you, um, like how you approached this lesson? Yeah, absolutely. So before I do that, I think it's really important to contextualize the work that I do and what my classroom looks like. So I run an alternative education program. I have 15 seventh and eighth graders. So it's a multi-age classroom and students are with me for all core subjects all day long, except for lunch and their allied arts, which is their music, their foreign language and art class. So very much like an elementary school model, I have some flexibility within my day, how I'm able to deliver my instruction. And students that um, are that enter my program that are placed in my program, their needs are not being met in the traditional curriculum. And we have identified these learners as needing a non-traditional, experiential, community-based approach to re-engage them into the school experience. So for example, in the fall, we hike six different mountains in our area, which culminates with a two-night three-day experience with the Appalachian Mountain Club in the White Mountains of New Hampshire. We also run our school garden and we grow and donate um, up to a thousand pounds per growing season 
to our local food pantry where we also volunteer. We volunteer with the elderly. We go to a local mountain, it's called Sunday River, and kids can choose skiing or snowboarding. And we actually spend our school day at the mount mountain skiing and snowboarding. And all the while I'm integrating the state standards into those experiences and making things real world and real life. And woven through all of that is explicit instruction on social emotional skills, teaching strategies around mindfulness and distress tolerance and interpersonal effectiveness and emotional regulation. So having that context, it's the first day of school. And what I know is also many of my learners um, first of all, the pandemic was a collective traumatic experience for everyone. The second is that most of my students have a very high ACEs score. And I needed to be ready to meet their emotional needs first and foremost the minute they walked through my door. So my classroom, um, I fortunately was able to maneuver six-foot seating so that we were still able to sit in our restorative circle. Everything we do is in circle. We also set up outdoor classrooms. We have 12 outdoor education classrooms around our building, and everything is in a circle. And that is because my first lesson was about what is circle, why do we want to have our community and our learning be held in that structure? And how can the circle format make students feel safe and welcome and invited into the classroom space? So as students walked into my room, I'm showing them to their seats. I am asking them in my very sanitary way, um, would you like a cup of hot chocolate? I'm checking in, I'm helping them unpack their bags. And then we headed right outside. Um, to one of our outdoor classrooms and in a normal restorative circle you have a talking piece and it's something that you hand off so when someone has their, the talking stick you're invited to speak and everyone else is invited to listen well given we can't take something and hand it off we had a soccer ball and I asked students to get in the circle and I shared how circles give everyone an equal chance to share they give everyone an equal chance to participate. Power is shared in a circle. It's not one person as head and other people as subordinates. We are all equals here. And I began some team building activities. Kids hadn't been physically in school since March. Um, they were wearing masks. They had trauma. They were nervous. I was nervous <laughs> you know? and really out of practice, you know, Ooh. like so you, you get used to talking in front of people and then you don't have that audience the same way. You get a little rusty, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so some of my questions that we asked in that circle, um, one to 10 rate yourself, one being the worst, 10 being the best. How do you feel today being back to school? Mm -hmm. And if you would like to give an explanation, you may, but you do not have to. So right away, I was reading the temperature of the students in my class, our outdoor education class. I then did a thumbs up in the middle or thumbs down. How comfortable are you feeling in the mask? 
Um, and that would allow me to know how to explicitly teach taking a mask break safely and appropriately. And it was great. I actually found out that all my students were like professional mask wearers. It wasn't bothering them. They were okay with it. Um, so that, that was really useful information for me. And then um, another piece in terms of equity that I wanted to make sure I address in, in safety is that I know that I have three trans students in my class. And so I asked students to introduce themselves with the name they wanted to be called by their peers and to also identify their pronouns. Um, and that way I would make sure that I was honoring who my students are and that I would be able to make sure that I sent a message to all of my students that that is the type of culture and community that we have. After I did those three big ones, the temperature check, the masks, and the who am I and what are my pronouns, we then went into some fun team building questions. If you could be a flavor of ice cream, what would you want to be? Um, you know, some would you rather questions. Would you rather live without your iPhone or live without your TV? I think we know what everyone said. Their iPhone, clearly. <laughs> um, and these activities were about fostering a learning environment where students um, started to build respect for, for one another and would also see that I respected them. Thank so you. That was my first, yeah, that was my first lesson. And, and, and the, I think that's something that's really important to know is today is day five. So I've had um, A students five days. I've had B students five days. I have taught two content lessons and I have students four blocks a day. And I am stressing this because it is not about the content right now. Mm -hmm. It is about relationships. It is about team building. It is about structures and routines and supporting students as they learn to navigate the new norm in our schools and to make sure that we don't rush the content. You cannot get to the content until you have trust and you can't have relationships until you have trust. And those need to be the prerequisites for all of the work that we do in our schools. That is a fascinating lesson <laughs> for the first day back after so much trauma and chaos. Um, and aside from, um, you know, you trying to gauge your temperature uh, about how they feel about being here physically and then um, figuring out how comfortable they are being masked. Would you say that um, your approach, other than those two, is your approach extremely different this year or do you kind of approach it the same way, trying to foster those relationships, um, trying to establish those boundaries and respect and everything? Yeah, and so what's fascinating is I didn't start out the year very different than I would have started any other year. The difference is, because relationships are, are central to my practice. And what the, the more disengaged a student is, the more you need to focus on that relationship. But what I can say is um, that my practices felt more urgent and have never felt so validated because of this experience. Yeah, yeah this is... I just want them more. I'm so glad to be back, but I'm like, oh my gosh, I had them the two days and the two days are gone and I want to see them more and I want to be with them more. Um, 
And I know they want to be with me too. And, and I've figured out with technology how to um, tune in my remote kids with the kids that are in person. So I'm holding up the screen and we're having the conversations together, which is um, allowing me to also bridge those relationships for, from, for two hybrid groups um, that are not having connections with one another. You know, so tomorrow I'll actually have my first advisory meeting where we'll all be together um, for a set period of time. So I'm also excited to take those restorative practices, um, which first and foremost are pro, it's a proactive approach to building relationship and community, because before you can use restorative practices for conflict resolution, you have to have the trust in the relationship there first. Um, and so I actually spent a lot of time researching how do we take those practices and put them into the remote world so that we can still have restorative circles um, on a Zoom call, Brady Bunch style. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that, so that, part, that part is new. That part will be new, new for me, um, the restorative circles remotely. And, and I will say I learned a lot from remote teaching and learning the first time around. Um, and it was always my gut feeling that I didn't want to have the rule with the video and having to be on. And I'm so excited that so many people are out there supporting teachers' efforts to say, you don't have to turn your video on. Um, and in fact, we know that students who have experienced deep levels of trauma, that that video being on only contributes and deepens their feelings of, of, of feeling threatened. Um, and I know just some days I don't feel like I look too cute and I don't want the video on either, you know? Yeah. Um, so so um, going into my restorative circles online tomorrow, and it will be my first time, we have already set up. You don't have to have your audio on. You don't have to have your video on. But the way you're going to stay engaged is through the chat function. So yeah. I just need to know that you're participating. And here are the different ways and, and making sure that I have nonverbal ways that students can participate. Um, I also, something that's different from, from I think me and traditional teachers is that um, all students and parents have my cell number. So that's another way that I can also stay connected so that if we are, you know, experiencing something in the circle tomorrow, I can continue leading and then I can also quickly text a student who's participating and privately have a conversation with them, make sure they're feeling safe in, in our space and um, you know, move forward with the work that we're doing. We know that students do their best learning um, and their best work when they're connected to their teachers. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. I want to get back in the classroom now. <laughs> as a student, as come a on, student. Come on up to Gore and Maine. <laughs> as a student. Um, oh, this is great. I also, okay, so after um, your day with your students, what would you say that you learned or um, your students learned from your lesson? Was there something, did you have a, an opportunity to check back in with them to see how they were doing? But just in general, what did you learn just from beginning to end? Um, in your Absolutely. Um, so what I noticed that happened is because I took that time to connect um, right away when I made phone calls home that night to families to let them know how their students day went they all communicated how excited their students um, felt about their day 
And that is the best, that's the best piece of information any teacher can receive from a parent. I also just received words of affirmation from the parents on how supported they felt. Um, something also that came up in our first circle, because one of my questions was, what's something that you've wanted to do or learn about in school um, that you never have? And I love that because that actually helps drive my um, curriculum creation for the year. And one student said, um, I want to learn real world skills. I said, tell me more. What do you mean? And he's like, well, I want to get a job. I'm 14. I don't know how to fill out a worker's permit. And, and how do I do a checkbook? And how do I balance a budget? And a chorus of, yeah, yeah, that's what I want to do too. Um, and so the next day that they were in school, um, we learned how to apply for your worker's permit. And we started making phone calls in Gorham, where can kids be hired at the age of 14? And so as as a response to me listening and hearing my students um, I created enthusiasm by honoring their voice and allowing that to drive my planning um, for the next for you know for the next few days and then I'll keep asking them okay where should we go next and and I'm, I'm not saying that that I don't say, hey, no, 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 we need to do one step algebraic equations. This is what we need to do. <laughs> but, but the more I honor their voice and the more I give them that choice when we need to do something because it's part of the, the rigor that has to happen um, in the middle school, then I get that buy-in from them a, a, a lot more quickly. So I just have a lot of students, um, it's just being reported to me by parents right now, that used to hate school. And this is something that happens in my alternative education world because kids just love learning by doing. Um, they just say, I used to hate school and this is the first time I've ever liked it. And that is why I do the work um, that I do. And so aside from the restorative um, circles, the big things we've done the past five days is we run our school garden. So one, um, one week we harvested 40 pounds worth of produce and donated it to the food pantry. This week we donated 35 pounds of tomatoes and onion and peppers and jalapenos um, and potatoes. We dug potatoes, potato digging time in Maine right now. Um, <laughs> and, and we donated it. So we were able to get out there and we're part of an international robotics challenge and we work with our technology integrator and so we started that robotics work and the kids are unbelievable they can out code me in literally a heartbeat they, they've surpassed me um, so we jumped right in and we started that work as well in the afternoons so we focus heavily on our circle work in the morning and then we're doing this other integrated um, steam and gardening, outdoor education in the afternoon. Wow. And we're only five days in. Yeah, I'm so excited Thank for you, you and the rest of your year. Thank you. And I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. I love, I absolutely love talking about alternative education um, and feel very passionate that not only should it be offered at our high school levels, high quality alternative teaching by high quality teachers, um, but also that it is something that is vital in the middle school. Because if we wait until high school to offer 
a different approach for teaching our youth, sometimes it's a little too late. And if we can catch them in the middle school and, and engage them and meet them where they are and support them when they've experienced, um, you know, some of life's worst, worst trauma, you really can change the trajectory of their life. And it's really powerful. So thank you. That's so interesting. Thank you again. Thank you for being so transparent. We cannot wait to get this interview out to the masses. Um, so thank you once again. Thank you for listening to the first series of Voices from the Classroom, the State Teacher of the Year podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the Council of Chief State School Officers National Teacher of the Year program. It's our honor to elevate the voices of educators across the country and provide them with a national platform to amplify their message and advocate on behalf of their students and colleagues. Please share these lessons on social media with the hashtag NTOY20. That's hashtag N-T-O-Y-2-0. Let's keep the conversation going.